Hey, 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 welcome back to Chew the Bible. We're now in Mark chapter 9, reading out of the NLT. And it says, Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God and arrive in great power. And boom, here we go. The transfiguration. Six days later, hmm, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. Remember PJJ, Peter, James, and John, the inner, the inner circle. All of us got friends, but then we got like our inner circle, like our close, close friends, you know, that we tell our deepest secrets and, you know, whenever something funny happens or some good news happens, we they're the first persons to know about it. Apparently, see now, some probably people probably have a hard time with this because like is, is this Jesus playing favorites does Jesus have favorites I'm not Jesus I'm not God anyway all right six days later Jesus took Peter James and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone as the men watched Jesus's appearance was transformed my biggest question is like what was it about Peter James and John Peter kind of makes a lot of sense but what was it about what was it about James and John that Jesus had this closeness to these guys separate from the other disciples the other nine all right and his clothes became dazzling white far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them then elijah and moses appeared and began talking with jesus peter exclaimed rabbi it's wonderful for us to be here Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. <laughs> Verse 7, Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Maybe that's why he knew that they were the ones that could. <laughs> we all have those friends we know can keep a secret. And those that can't keep a secret, maybe that's why. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet why do the scriptures say that the son of man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted, referring to John the Baptist. Why he calls him Elijah? I still don't get that one. Y'all go research all that jesus heals a demon possessed boy verse 14 when they returned to the other disciples they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them when the crowd saw jesus they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him what is all this arguing about jesus asked one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said teacher i brought my son so you could heal him he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. 
Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I don't know if that's how he actually said his tone, said in his tone, his tone of voice, but just from the wording there and the exclamation points, he seems like he was a little frustrated. Verse 20, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him to the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> You're like, y'all know y'all talking to? You ain't talking to the UPS man or, yeah, talking to Jesus. You ain't talking to one of these Pharisees over here. He ain't talking to Nicodemus, you know, talking to me. Y'all must have forgot. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly just thought of, uh, what is it, Kevin Garnett after he won the championship. Anything is possible. I need to make that into a TikTok, verse 23. All right, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran around the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. Or he actually says, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Kind of read that a little backwards, but hey. All right, let's keep going. Jesus again predicts his death. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, "The son, I'm sure there was a lot of times he was like, man, I haven't had a whole lot of time to teach, time to teach these dudes because uh, I've been busy doing all this work. But as they say with parenting, more is caught than taught. So they were learning a lot just by being around him. They didn't understand what he was saying, however. Oh, my bad, y'all. I think I skipped ahead. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they, they didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. You would think by now, especially Peter, James, and John had a close enough relationship to be able to ask more questions, ask Jesus straight up. Like, what do you mean? Can you, can you clarify? Explain yourself.
the greatest in the kingdom. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. <laughs> he already, it's funny, Jesus be asking these questions. He's omniscient. He already knows the answer to them. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Not what y'all wanted to hear, was it? Then he put a little child among he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who becomes a little child like this on my behalf be welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Using the name of Jesus, I just always laugh the fact that the way God made us, he, we all technically become like children anyway. As we get older, in our 80s and 90s, unless you're blessed like my grandma who can still move around without assistance uh, and has a sound mind still, sharp as a tech. <sighs> a lot of adults... Shoot, even in their 60s and 70s, got to wear diapers and have somebody take care of them. And yeah, it's like we revert back to being like children. All right, you then we speak our minds too without, yeah, they call it being senile and just saying whatever. <laughs> All right, using the name of Jesus, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. This is a big scripture that needs to be highlighted right now because there's a lot of division in the church and amongst Christians because we have a lot of... Um, people who for most of their lives have completely lived a very rebellious worldly lifestyle and are suddenly proclaiming to be Christians. I put that in quotes because only God knows the hearts of those people. And um, just like we have to remember, like, what was it like? Unless you like grew up in a church and you've been a Christian your whole life. And I'm sure you had some at least season of backsliding or there's sins of omission that all of us commit you know some of us some of our sins are just not as seen or visible as other people's sin right some of y'all are gluttonous i say y'all some of us are gluttonous some of us you name it fill in the blank have lustful eyes whatever and we just are able to resist more than others um god knows god knows you name it, the fill in the blank sin. Anyway, it's important to have a lot of patience for folks. And when we see people out here, you know, who claiming claiming now to be Christians who lived a very worldly lifestyle and they're proclaiming the gospel or proclaiming Jesus Christ, we shouldn't knock them immediately or have this pharisaical attitude. You know, we should pray for them and pray that they keep growing, growing in their faith. But unfortunately, a lot, that's a huge thing that happens on, the, especially on the internet. These people get in, they be like, they'll, they'll start questioning, like, 
uh, such and such is not really a Christian. You know, if they're really a Christian, they would do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And like, dude, yeah, that's not your job, homie. All right. Just pray for them. It's a lot easier to criticize somebody than pray for them. I'll say that. All right, verse 42. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to, and I, I am being guilty of that myself. Don't, I don't take myself off the hook. Right, there's times I've been critical. Primarily in the area of sports. <laughs> I can be very critical sometimes of basketball players, and I've never played in the NBA. All right, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Now, once again, y'all out there, don't go cutting off your hands. It's just saying, take your sexual purity seriously. When I was just talking to my brother, and I encourage y'all, start a podcast. Do your own version of Chew the Bible, whatever. This podcast helps me out a lot. Like when I'm lonely bored and horny those are the times when i'm like most vulnerable to either want to either look at pornography or i just lump everything in pornography even though there's i don't i never watched in the last year or so or however long it's been i don't actually watch like the videos and stuff or pornhub but i have watched tiktok videos and tiktok videos and videos of women with see-through outfits on or whatever and just and yeah lusted after their bodies looked at masturbated all that kind of stuff anyway this podcast helps me out tremendously to avoid doing that stuff and so yeah when i'm bored tired lonely sad depressed horny those big things this why this podcast helps me out big time and um encourages me to stay in god's word so all right, so that's why I always, to the day I die, I'll be doing this podcast because it's it's therapy for me. All right, just talking through the Bible, processing through the Bible, and sharing it with this invisible audience that's out there watching it on YouTube and uh, chew the Bible. And I put a little plug there. You hear that? And then the podcast on Anchor, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify. All right, y'all forgive me. I don't often plugs in but it says yeah if your hand causes you to sin cut it off it's better to enter an eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands if your foot causes you to sin cut it off it's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet and if your eye causes you to sin gouge it out it's better to enter the kingdom of god with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out now, I encourage y'all to. Now, some of y'all, I've had a covenant eyes on my phone devices before. Um, my th- encouragement that I've said before, whatever it takes, whatever works for you so that you avoid sexual sin, um, even on the smallest levels, do it. Um, I've just recently got to a point where I'm finally comfortable being on. So I need I personally like social media um, because it helps me uh, spread the gospel on there. And sometimes it's just kind of like something I just enjoy at times, like just seeing what's going on, like to watch a lot of Christian TikToks or whatever and repost those and 
follow some of the sports people that I like to listen to on podcasts, whatever. Um, but I, there are times where I notice myself like kind of, uh, how do I say this, getting too carnal a little bit, like allowing my, like taking in too much media and not enough of this. Like you gotta, you, you gotta have like 90% word and 10% media at the most. Like I, I like to still consume some media um, to keep me up to date with what's going on in the world. And plus it's like an outlet for me. It's enjoyable. But I've no like, I notice like when I'm starting to like partake in too much or like uh, sometimes I'll play my kids. I got a Nintendo Switch, for, Switch, I said Switch, Switch for my kids. And I actually enjoy playing like NBA 2K on there sometimes. But I notice like, hey, I'll play this a little bit too much. Let me turn it off. And um, so what am I trying to say here? Yes, knowing your triggers, knowing your boundaries, and recognizing like, whoa, once again, I'm tired, I'm bored, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm lonely, I'm horny. Those are like big triggers for me. Whenever That's when I'm vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. In this area of sex, and last night I had a sexual dream, like it was pretty vivid. And um, yeah, it's when I woke up, I had to pray about it, pray through it. And um, what am I trying to say here? Just be on guard. Always be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. And um, yeah, do whatever it takes to be able to avoid sexual sin. If you need covenant eyes, go ahead. I personally don't use covenant eyes. I used to while I was married. And maybe sometime I'll like share more about my testimony on that or just stories related to that. I just know if you do have, I recommend if you have covenant eyes, do not have your wife as your um, partner. Some of y'all will disagree with me, but I encourage y'all to not have your wife as your, um, the partner that you have, your, uh, what they call it, uh, accountability partner. Cause there's emails that go to them whenever you watch something inappropriate or whatever, or have, you know, half naked women or something like that. Or if you did go look at porn, it does, it's supposed to block all that stuff out, but sometimes there's still things that you see through the filters. And anyway, your wife gets that report and that can cause issues. And it's almost like having an act. It's pretty much like having an affair when you go look at, images of other women and your wife finds out it causes the the wall the trust the the ladder of trust the rungs on the ladder of trust to be torn down and uh it's hard to rebuild that trust because then she's like what else are you doing what else are you hiding and it causes a lot of shame a lot of unforgiveness a lot of bitterness a lot of all kinds of this emotion so um but yeah if that's what you need yeah find somebody at church that's willing to be an accountability partner for you. Uh, I personally know, like if I really want to find what I'm looking for, like I, I'll just, I find ways to bypass covenant eyes and, and um, like when I'm really trying to watch what I'm trying to watch. So I just pray a lot, like Holy spirit, protect me, protect me from that stuff. Protect me from, um, help me to, maintain a covenant with my eyes and my ears and when I'm filter, filtering in every day because sex is everywhere we're bombarded with it every day so do 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 and friends 
when we have friends who are very um, vulgar and very, um, let's just say their views on sex are way different than yours. I've learned the importance of like kind of limiting your interactions with them, like or limiting or being at like, it's not judge them, but kind of limit the amount of allowing yourself to listen to what they're talking about, limiting your interactions with them and also um, try to redirect the conversation. And um, yeah, that can be harder too. Like if you have a family member whose views on sexual purity are way in this even vulgar conversations are different than yours. I'm still wrestling with the Holy Spirit on how to like handle those kind of situations. So the biggest thing is prayer, 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 praying for yourself, praying for your friends. Um, when you have friends that are kind of, you know, more secular, have more secular views than you do. So, all right. Alright, we already said all that. Yeah, don't be cutting off your hands, your eyes, your feet. Just just to shows you the the sincereness, the sincerity of the how serious we should take this stuff. Because alright, let me finish it up. For everyone will be tested with fire, salt is good for seasoning but if it loses its flavor how do you make it salty again you must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other yes all of us all of our works our lives are going to pass through fire and anything that didn't matter that we did in this life it's going to all burn it's all going to burn and There's one more thing I was going to say about this. I know this recording is getting a little bit longer than the other ones, but I will say this. I did not think in all the years, I started out eight years old. I'm going to share this real fast. Yeah, I started out eight years old. I think that's the very first time I remember looking at pornography or discovering it. And he was around eight years old. We had a computer in the house. Uh, and then, of course, my parents would get, like, cable. They had cable shows, and then late at night, there would be different things that would come on, like HBO, and then there was the Spice Channel. You could see stuff through the lines and, like, kind of the blurred lines. And um, I discovered me and masturbation at an early age, too. My brother, it's crazy talking to my brother. He said he didn't actually learn about discover masturbation to was 18 I was like wow I didn't know I thought all boys were doing this at a young age but apparently I, yeah I started early and um yeah it'd be cool at some point to have him on to talk about this stuff but yeah started early I remember yeah touching girls touching girls breasts and stuff on the back of the bus as a young boy being intrigued and curious and wanting to act out this stuff with different girls, but stuff would happen that would keep me from doing it. Even as, when I got into my high school years, well, I did get introduced to like, I didn't like actually lose my virginity officially until college, but I was having girls do other things for me. I'll let y'all guess what those are. Um, anyway, yes, 
at an early age, sexual demonic forces were, I won't say they were possessing me, but they were influencing me and oppressing me early on. And to this day, I still battle them. They're, I will say the less you feed that appetite, the easier it is to resist. The longer you go resisting, that's why I highly recommend don't even masturbate at all. Like even even my counselor, he wrote, like he said, oh, if you really feel like you have to do it, you know, just let one out in the shower or whatever. I try not to even do that um, to even release period. Like I know, yeah, it's interesting because this month in November is no what they call it, no fap or no no nut November or whatever. I try to no nut at all until I get married again because for me, as I said before, it's like a Pandora's box. Like once I open up that box, it's like, like, it's kind of like candy, dessert, sweets. Once I start eating, start eating some of it, I just want like, if I get like the other night when I got a um, tiramisu cake, I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat part of the cake and before I know it, I think that entire cake in one day it wasn't a huge cake but it was a good size cake and yeah I don't know when to stop and I want more and I want more and the cravings are stronger and stronger so it's a lot easier for me to never and then I want to like go find women to go act that stuff out like get on dating sites or different women I run across before I know it and it's funny like the, it's not funny it's interesting the temptations become stronger when I give into that all of a sudden there's women that get in my car and they ask for my phone number before I know it I'm dating like taking them on a date I'm like and it's not a woman and it's a woman that I don't even see as a future wife like cause I already know in my heart of hearts like what I'm looking for for a future wife you know you guys know like who you feel is wifey material and who's not but anyway how's it going with all that um, I had a point to all that What I'm trying to say is Oh yes While I was married It started even when I Initially Early on In life It was really big Like when I felt rejected or whatever or Those times when my former wife wasn't in the mood And stuff like that um, it would feed into that spirit of rejection or if I was like stressed out at work, that's another trigger rejection. Ooh, I should just, I should do a whole video about this. Like the triggers for masturbation and lust for me, like just sharing my personal story there, being tired, being lonely, sad or depressed, um, angry. Ooh, like I remember a lot of times I'd be playing a video game and I would lose and I'll be angry afterward and I feel like a failure. Yeah, feeling like a failure. And then I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, feeding into just like ha- having a very carnal mind in general. Like if I've been consumed a lot of media or played a lot of video games or watched a lot of just secular movie or any type of media, secular media, that's big. Um, what is another trigger? Um, I've already said all those other things. What else we need to throw in there? Rejection. Horniness, of course, yes, kind of given. And yeah, say boredom. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of triggers. Knowing your triggers is important. The key ones too. 
The big ones are like boredom, loneliness, sadness, rejection, uh, anger, stress, stress. And so anyway, when any, any of those triggers would arise, I would go to masturbation and looking at these women or whatever. And, you know, there were times when my former wife would catch me doing it or whatever. And I would say sorry and I would try to stop. And I never thought it would always justify it in my mind because I was like, oh, I'm not doing this to other women. You know, these are all just things that I'm I'm doing this in the privacy of my own home. Right. Anyway, all I can say is eventually you will start doing this stuff with other women, uh, especially if you get divorced or get separated from your wife you will start acting this stuff out and it can go down a really dark place. So stop. All you married men who think it's okay to masturbate, even if you're like out on a, on a work trip and your wife is not around, my encouragement is just don't do it. Get into your word, work on a podcast, stay busy, know your triggers. That's to me, that's like cutting your eyeball ball out or your, cutting your arm out or or you're cutting your foot off these things that cause you to sin know your know the things that cause you to sin and cut them off stop before it goes down this snowball because sin is always very subtle so anyway is there anything else nope that's all Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.